Welcome to the Weekly Standard Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Graham. With us on Weekly Standard is Steve Hayes. And Steve, a lot of us are wondering out here outside the Beltway, you hang out with the big wigs and the elites. Two questions. One, <laughs> is there a chance for some independent run so that people like myself who have no one to vote for are going to have a chance to vote? And what are they saying inside the Beltway? And number two, is Donald Trump really going to be mainstreamed as the face of the Reagan Republican Party by July? Well, you know, the, 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 the question, the answer to the first question, is there a chance? I mean, you remember that famous scene from Dumb and Dumber where Jim Carrey asks about uh, the love of his life, and, and she says basically one in a million, and he says, well, you're saying there's a chance. There's a much better chance than that, I think. Um, you know, certainly there are um, robust discussions taking place behind the scenes uh, between, you know, any number of advisors, uh, Republicans and conservatives in different states, uh, and would be candidates of uh, the, whether a third party or independent bid could be successful, what success would look like. Um, and I think that's still being evaluated. You have uh, campaign strategists who are very bullish on a third party run. I think that a third party run would not only give conservatives and Republicans somewhere else to park their vote, but could be successful, could actually win or could come short of winning and throw the election to the House of Representatives. And you have others, uh, many of whom I respect, who say, look, it's crazy. It's never going to happen. Um, couldn't be successful. Texas ballot deadline's already passed. North Carolina's coming quickly, and you know, there's just too much work to be done. I guess my own view, briefly, is we have six months out almost exactly to the 2016 presidential election. You're looking at an electoral cycle that has seen volatility that we've never seen before. And you have two uh, major party candidates that are the most unpopular people in the history of uh, presidential candidates as long as they've been checking favorable, unfavorable. You know, you can either sort of be complacent and shrug your shoulders in resignation, say, ah, forget it. Or you could say, if there's a shot, however uh, difficult it might be, it's a shot worth taking. Uh, but uh, the uh, counter argument is in the Quinnipiac poll out uh, as we record this, showing Donald Trump neck and neck with Hillary Clinton in Florida, Ohio and Pennsylvania. You also have people who've been very negative about Trump in the past, like Governor Perry, Governor Jindal uh, uh, and others coming on board. And then you have the big meeting with Donald Trump and uh, Speaker of the House uh, Ryan. So if Speaker of the House Ryan gets on board, doesn't that don't all those things together kind of you know, mark the end of any effort to make a change sure maybe and paul ryan has said that he is in is not in favor of a third party independent uh run but look you know rick perry i think has embarrassed himself with what he said about trump he, he said a couple months ago that trump was a cancer on conservatism and now rick perry is apparently pro-cancer bobby jindal said he was unfit to hold the office and would be a danger near the nuclear codes and is now supporting it even though he's doing so with reservations yeah, I think these are uh, conservative leaders who aren't holding up very well in the limelight. Uh, you know, it matters if you think that a candidate is unfit for office. You don't support that candidate. And I, it, I think it's it's uh, discouraging to see the number of longtime conservative leaders who are taking that path. That said, it's important to remember a couple other things. There are conservative leaders who aren't doing that. You know, you've got Ben Sass, you've got Jeff Flake, you've got Pat Toomey. They've said Ben Sass is opposed. Jeff Flake and Pat Toomey say they want to wait. Ted Cruz came out today in an interview, said he's not ready to endorse. Paul Ryan, Speaker of the House, said he's not ready to endorse. I don't expect him to do so after this meeting tomorrow, at least not immediately. You've got the two most popular Republican governors 
in the country in Charlie Baker of Massachusetts and Larry Hogan of Maryland who said that they're not going to endorse. So there is a huge cleavage uh, between the, the pro-Trump people, the reluctantly pro-Trump people, and the never-Trump people. And I think uh, when you look at the exit polls going back to Super Tuesday number two, where you saw in several states a third to, in one state, 43 percent of voters say that they would strongly consider, that was the language, strongly consider voting third party if there were a Hillary Clinton-Donald Trump race, it's hard to say that this is A, driven by Washington elitists, and B, has no constituency in the country. It quite clearly does. And exit polling, whether it was that question specifically or subsequent questioning, suggests that there would be a good number of people who are looking for that kind of an outcome. We are, I'm interested in this meeting that you're talking about coming up. What is the Trump's team's goal in that meeting, and what do you think they'll be able to accomplish? What are people who have knowledge of the uh, issues like foreign policy, et cetera, saying about the Donald Trump that they've met so far, and what are they? who do they want to meet this week? Well, it sort of depends if they're willing to make apologies for somebody who speaks incoherently and, and is not curious about foreign policy and national security, like Senator Bob Corker, who was the chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, has come out increasingly and said positive things about Trump's speech and and is really, I think, shilling for Trump in a way that doesn't reflect very well on Bob Corker. We haven't seen much from Trump on foreign policy to the extent that we've seen anything. It hasn't made sense. He gave one speech where he read from a teleprompter the words that somebody else had prepared for him. And even then, it was an incoherent jumble. And yet you've got these supposed supposed foreign policy experts coming out and getting Trump's back. As it relates to the meeting tomorrow, I mean, I think, you know, the goal for the Trump people should be a simple one. Get Paul Ryan aboard. Um, you know, Trump, I think, is we've seen over the course of the campaign willing to say anybody to win support from people he wants to have support him. One would think you might say something to Paul Ryan that he's open to looking at entitlement reform, that he understands the separation of powers between the executive and the legislative, um, that he's not as opposed to Ryan-style tax reform and Ryan-style Ryan reform conservatism, as you might see him on the stump. And I would expect that Ryan would give a little, too. Um, but I don't expect that there to be a big epiphany tomorrow. I think people who think that Paul Ryan will endorse Trump on the heels of the meeting or even the next day are likely to be disappointed. And you can never say never, but likely to be disappointed. Uh, we're running out of time. I have one last question for you. Name a couple of people that people who are in the Never Trump movement should keep an eye on as potential, not necessarily candidates or anything, but kind of leaders in the as we move forward. Well, I would say there are really probably three and maybe three a long shot. Um, the people who have been discussed publicly as potential candidates are Mitt Romney. I saw your very funny tweet where you were um, you know, leader anyone of the but Mitt in 2012, brigade. baby. Anyone, and now run, baby, run in 2016. That's what Donald exactly. Trump's done for me. I think there are a lot of people. You know, I was skeptical of, of Mitt in 2012 myself, but uh, you know, compared to Donald Trump and Hillary Clinton, he looks pretty good. I don't think it would necessarily. I mean, it, it would be that would be sort of the establishment really being the establishment. I, he wouldn't be the first choice. I think, of course, he would bring name ID and a, a financial network. Uh, then the other two would be Ben Sass, who's made it clear that he's not going to vote for either Trump or Hillary, um, but is a young um, senator from Nebraska. People would question his experience. On the other hand, he would be a fresh face. And the third person who's been mentioned a few times 
is Senator Tom Coburn, who I think in some ways has the chance to be most saleable if he would do it. I mean, Coburn is a serious guy. I remember my grandmother gave me a book that Tom Coburn wrote. I think it was back in the mid-1990s when I was relatively new to Washington about just how bad Washington was. And, uh, you know, he's written another book about how Washington turns outsiders into insiders and the corrupting influence of Washington. He was famous for going after government waste. But he also has some, I would say, more mainstream crossover appeal. You know, he was uh, behind, he endorsed the Bolt-Simpson plan on entitlements uh, and, and long-term debt. And then the final real long shot that, that I've heard a couple times is Mitch Daniels. He's, he's made it pretty clear, former governor of Indiana, pretty clear in the past he's not interested in running. Um, you know, he wasn't able to be persuaded off the, the sidelines in 2012. So I think that makes him a, a real long shot. But I have no doubt that people are talking to him and trying to see if he'd be interested. And thank you, Steve Hayes, for talking to us here on the Weekly Standard Podcast. We appreciate your time. You bet. Thanks, Michael. You've been listening to the Weekly Standard Podcast. Please be sure to check weeklystandard.com regularly for podcast updates. I'm your host, Michael Graham.